Hey guys, it's Alec here to remind you to check the trigger warnings before today's episode. So get comfy and you can find everything in the description down below, including our new transcripts. Have a safe listen. Mythale presents Circe's Episode 11, Dead Ends. Alright, it's been a few days since I last recorded one of these, so I should get a little back on track. Mr. Timor still refuses to be of any help. Worthless idiot. I just have to do everything around here, don't I? Right, I found the case file of Harlene Bertram, which have been written down and given to us back in September 2016. Case file 32825661515. This session is recorded on the 9th of December 2022 by Elias Emanuel Short, therapist in training at Sunshine Valley Mental Institution. Humans grow up in a group we call families. Not unlike animals do in packs. We depend on other people's skills, generosity, and the closeness and warmth a human being can bring into our lives. My name is Harleen Bertram. I grew up in a loving family that was almost uncannily close to a picture-perfect one. My parents adored me, just as much as my sisters and brothers. Physical touch, like hugs and cheek kisses, was just a part of our everyday lives. We would often snuggle up close on the couch together and watch whatever show we began that week, limbs thrown over one another in one big cuddle pile. I've never really paid much mind to just how big of an influence physical affection for my loved ones had on me. I guess you never really do when it's simply part of a routine. Can you imagine suddenly not being able to feel the warmth of your loved one's arms or their fingers as they caress you calmly? There is no one to seek comfort in because you can't receive it no matter how hard you try. It has reached a point where I can't even remember the feeling of my parents' arms around me. Whenever I try to remember, I feel a cold deep within me that spreads like a plague, causing numb tears to stream down the porcelain-like skin that had once been my warm cheeks. The war within my body won't be put to ease no matter how many times I bury my head within the arms of the woman I had chosen to spend the rest of my days with. Her touch never managed to penetrate the numbness that had forced a shield around my body. I could hear her sob into her pillow when her thoughts would drift away, making her believe I was doomed to never feel her loving fingers on my skin again. There was never any signs of what had happened to me nor anything to blame for my sudden inability to receive the comforting touch which was given to me by the people around me. One morning, as the sun shone through the blinds and my lover decided to plant a tender kiss on top of my shoulder, 
she was surprised to find that it had not awoken me from my slumber as it normally would. She told me she had brushed it off, thinking I must have been further within dreams than she had first anticipated. Her hands brushed my skin, softly grabbing onto the squishy surface to try to wake me. Yet no matter how hard she tried to wake me up with physical touch, the signal was never sent to my brain to begin with. She did admit to me that the worry that surged through her as she had for a second worried I had passed in my sleep. She had calmed herself down by pressing her once so warm and welcoming palm against my chest. Her eyes welled up with tears at the soft pumping motion against the skin on the inside of her hand. I wonder how many thoughts must have run wild within her head at that moment, as I know my head would have been spinning with millions of conspiracies about what had happened to the woman I love. I awoke bewildered that day. The sun had made its way further across the wooden floors of our apartment than I was used to, and my face had a few drops of almost evaporated water across its surface. I ruffled my damp hair in confusion and glanced over at the clock on my bedside table, visibly puzzled by the time that had flashed on the digital display. It's not every day you wake up, hair wet, despite the fact that you haven't even been able to hit the shower yet. It felt almost dizzying as I swung my legs over the side of the bed. How did I manage to still be tired? I pushed the thought to the back of my mind, feeling more alarmed by the distant sound of my girlfriend sobbing. I found her by the counter in her kitchen, her face buried within the palms of her hands. Her shoulders were shaking in a rhythm with her sobs. My heart ached for her, and I wondered what has made her so upset. The last time I'd seen her like that was back when her grandfather passed away the year before, which naturally made my brain jump to conclusions. Did another one of her relatives pass away? In that case, why had she not woken me up so I could comfort her? Maybe one of her cats had been injured or had passed away throughout the night. Sandwich was getting rather old, but the thought of him passing away was still heart-wrenching. I spoke up before my mind got too blurry, asking her what had happened. Her eyes finally met mine and she gasped, jumping up to wrap her arms tightly around me, wailing like a baby. Her words made no sense through the tears as she tried to form just any kind of coherent sentence to express the distress she had found herself in. I spent so much of my already limited energy trying to make out what she was trying to say that I didn't pay too much mind to the lack of ability to feel. Looking back on it now, she might as well have never hugged me at all. It would have made no difference to me at that point. She managed to sob out that she was worried about me. Her arms released themselves from around me before she dragged her feet across the floor to fall over like a sock puppet on the couch. That's when she explained what had happened that morning. It did cast some light on why my hair had been damp when I woke up. She had thrown a full bucket of water over me, and I hadn't moved a single muscle, didn't even flinch. I had no idea how to respond to that. I have always been a rather touch-sensitive person. I was the one who would turn instantly if anyone as much as touched a single hair on my head. Yet somehow, I slept through my girlfriend almost waterboarding me in my sleep. Nerve damage. That's the excuse my doctor came up with, despite not being able to explain to me how I'd managed to acquire nerve damage in my sleep. She just shrugged at me and repeated herself. It's nerve damage. What a bunch of nonsense. She sent me home without making a single effort to get a second opinion on what had occurred. 
My girlfriend had been fuming all the way home, yelling all the profanities in the languages she had ever learned. After she had exhausted what little curse word she had learned in Japanese, she looked at me with her eyes full of concern. We'll find you another doctor. One who will listen. She was so sure of that. She had always been the optimistic type, unlike me. I had always been more of a realist compared to her. If it was raining, I would alter our plans for the day to better adjust to the weather, where my girlfriend would simply pull out her raincoat and favorite wellies, insisting on not giving up. I have spent many rainy days in the park feeding peas to the ducks, or in a zoo as she cooed over all the soggy animals, who would probably also much rather be cuddled up in a warm blanket. But she was my warm blanket. I find it hard to look back on better days, when I still had my sweet sunshine girlfriend in my life. I miss the way the world would light up around her like she was the center of the world. Yellow raincoats and duck wellies always reminded me of her. A lot of things do. I had shaved my whole life around her, and it's hard to just let go of that. But she kept her promise. She spent days and nights contacting professionals in an attempt to get me the help she thought was out there. She wouldn't rest until I could once again feel the warmth of her embrace. As much as I wanted to share her determination, I started to become distant to her. She tried to snuggle at night. She would hold me closer and tighter, but I couldn't feel anything. We even tried to have sex, but that didn't lead to much either. It became progressively harder to feel closer to one another. After a few weeks of looking, she found me a doctor in Copenhagen who promised her to try to help me. I know she tried to be supportive, but without the effects of her usual good luck kisses, she didn't know what else to do. I signed myself off as a guinea pig for her. I could see the smile on her face grow as I came home to tell her about the doctor's hypothesis. She wanted so strongly to believe that the cure was right around the corner. She held me so tightly at night that I started to wake up with bruises. I felt bad for watching her struggle so badly, so I started to lie. I know that wasn't the right thing to do, but she was getting desperate and I couldn't bear always bringing bad news. I started to tell her that I was doing better. I wasn't, of course, but I didn't want her to know that. She would smile and hug me, her eyes lighting up as she asked me if I could feel it. I would plaster her broad smile on my face and nod. Just a little bit more than last time, I would say. And she believed me. I cried whenever I found myself alone, looking down in the skin that covered my hands and arms. I started to pinch myself when she wasn't around, hoping to feel just a tiny itch of pain. But it never came no matter how hard I tried. I still remember the day she found out I'd been lying to her. We were watching some new movie on Netflix when the house phone rang. She squeezed my arm and assured me that she would just get it. When she had been in there for a little longer than I expected, I paused the movie to go see if everything was okay. I found her in the kitchen. One arm hugged across her chest while she nodded to herself. Her eyes were red from the tears that had stained her cheeks. My heart sank in my chest when she spoke up again, the phone still pressed against her ear. Thank you, doctor. I'll inform her. She said and hung up. She sniffled before her eyes met mine. When were you going to tell me? 
Her voice was low and held a sorrow that made me shiver when I tried to respond. I didn't want to hurt you. She laughed sadly to herself before speaking up again. Hurt me? Don't you think that finding out that you've been lying to me is way worse? I'm sorry, was all I could mumble. She shook her head and placed down the phone, not looking up at me as she left the room. Nothing was ever the same after that night. We started to fall apart. I don't blame her for becoming distant. I had broken her trust, and deep down I knew that she deserved better. She deserved someone like herself. I could no longer give her what she wanted, and I knew letting her go would be one of the most painful things I've ever done. But there was no other way. I didn't have to make the decision. She came to me while I was lying on the bed, mindlessly scrolling through my phone. She sat down on the edge of the bed, which she only did when she wanted to talk about something serious. I sat up beside her and waited for her to speak. Her eyes started to well up with tears before she even managed to utter a single word. I found someone else, she admitted, her voice raspy and raw. My heart sank to my stomach and I nodded slowly, not knowing how to respond in any other way than with tears of my own. I thought I could do this, she said, her tears starting to mess up her voice as she cried. I thought I loved you enough to get through this together, but it's too much. I'm sorry. Despite everything, I pulled her in against my chest, rubbing her arms softly. It's okay, was all I could say. I kept whispering it over and over again, and by the time she stopped sobbing, I almost started to believe it myself. But deep down I knew that my life would never be the same when she was gone for good. And she really was. Just the next day when I woke up, all her things had been moved out while I had been fast asleep. So, I cried until there was no more tears left to cry. Everything felt empty without her. I hadn't lived alone for years. And waking up in an empty bed, in a place where all the happiest memories of your life had been shared with someone you thought would be there forever. That's when it all started to feel like some cruel dream. She started to feel like a distant memory, some fantasy I'd had when I was just a young girl. But she had been right there, holding me close, and now I couldn't even recall what her touch had felt like. I couldn't even cuddle the covers close against me, for I could as well have been holding nothing. My life felt pointless. Without someone to share your life with and without the touch of another human being, What's the point of it all? How do you survive without the ability to feel the world around you? I still haven't figured that out. I started to get careless. I knew that I would never see the love of my life ever again, and I craved the ability to feel something, anything, again. I didn't care what kind of feeling that would be, and I was willing to go far to get it. When I was cooking dinner one night... I found myself staring into the boiling water as I held the pasta in my hand. I didn't think twice before shoving my whole hand into the water, not even flinching as it lapped at my hand, hungrily boiling the skin into blisters. I felt nothing at all. Not even the tiniest prickle. The sight of burned flesh filled me with frustration. Even when I tried shoving it down on the hot oiled pan, 
It had no other effect than further damaging my skin and spreading a nasty smell throughout my apartment. I became creative with the ways to hurt myself. Sometimes I would let heavy objects fall onto my feet. I could clearly hear the bones break upon impact, but I didn't care to see a doctor about it. At other times, I would randomly burn myself when cooking. I did anything to hear a snap, crack, or a sizzle on my skin and bones. I never felt any of it, but I held onto the hope that I could just do something more extreme, and I would be granted my feeling back. I even went as far as chemically burning my skin. I found a bottle of cleaning bleach in my bathroom when I was cleaning my cabinet. I didn't look at it for long before unscrewing the cap, slowly pouring the acidic liquid onto my skin, hearing the sizzling when it burned through my clothes and flesh. I never felt a thing, not even for a second. I cried while my skin turned into one of leather that I would never be able to feel the roughness of. I have chopped off a few of my fingers as a sacrifice, hoping, praying that it might bring some god to have mercy on me and allow me my life back. But no such luck. My mother found me as I was stabbing my eyes out in a fit of rage. She called an ambulance and they took me away. I have no idea where I am, but I know that I am with people who swear they can help me. But it's too late now. There is nothing left to save. I haven't been able to have any sessions with Herlene Bertram back when she was first admitted due to the severity of her case. No doctor has been able to correct the damages she has done to her own body, nor have they been able to determine exactly what made her resort to such extreme measures. Herlene Bertram has over the years become as much of a recluse as possible within the facility. She spends most of her time painting in the garden and refuses to talk to anyone or take any help that is offered to her. The only insight we have into what's going on inside her head can be found in her art. The paintings are said to often have human-like shapes, and despite her complete blindness, she still manages to create quite amazing paintings. What worries her therapist most is that almost all her paintings seem to depict the same creature. Its body mutated, with no visible facial features to speak of, and never depicted in any other way than bent over on all fours. Circe's is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Today's episode featured Alexander Bautna as Elias Emanuel Short, Kim Heolun as Harleen Bertram's girlfriend. Audio edited by Els Sari and Henri Johannesson. Manuscript edited by Els Sari and Rita Bauna. And written by Alexander F. Bauna. If you like what we do, give us a rating on your podcaster of choice, or check out our Ko-fi where we have some art up for sale or you can donate however much you feel comfortable with. If you like to engage with more of what we do, check us out on our public Discord. All links will be below in the description. Thank you for today. <laughs>